Welcome to another episode of our live locker room podcast where we answer all of your Lions questions. You can be part of the show. Just download the locker room app on all Apple devices and you can join us live and ask us questions. Talk about Lions for about an hour and uh, have a a good time. Uh, We're having a good time with it so far. This is episode five of our locker room chats. My name is Jeremy Rice and I'm the managing, I'm sorry, I'm the editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit on Lion. The managing editor of Pride of Detroit is Eric Schlitt, who is also with us at Eric Schlitt on Twitter with a K. Eric, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> doing good. It's uh, five weeks. Wow. Can't believe we're already at five weeks. Yeah, you passed your your month anniversary here at Pride of Detroit. Congratulations on that. <laughs> I, th- I think you. you're going to stick around. I think we're going to have you stick around if that's okay. Well, as long as we get the paperwork handled, man, I, f- I feel like we're going to be in the right direction. <laughs> and our third co-host for these locker room talks is Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD, senior editor of Pride of Detroit. Ryan, how are we doing? Um, I'm doing well. Hopefully Kyle Pitts is doing even better. Okay. Well, I, I guess we're getting that out of the way at the top there. Uh let, let's start with the, the big trade that happened on Friday. The San Francisco 49ers threw a wrench into everything by trading up with the Miami Dolphins to the third pick. They had the 12th pick. They move up to three. They send a couple firsts, a third round, um, and then the Dolphins aren't done. They say, we're not happy with just the 12th pick. Let's move up to six. They trade with the Eagles, send a future first-round pick for that. So I guess my question to you guys, and we'll start with Eric here, is this a net negative or a net positive for the Lions or a net neutral? Well, I think it's neutral. Uh, and if anything, it might be a positive because that probably locks a quarterback into the first three picks. And then uh, if Miami is jumping ahead of Detroit to get a skill player, that's probably something Philly was already interested in anyway. So, uh, as far from a need standpoint, it, you may end up getting a better player pushed down, but it might actually be exactly how it was played out previously anyway. So it, it's either neutral or a little bit positive. You feel the same way, Ryan? Um, I'm a little concerned about the Dolphins moving back up. Yeah. Um, I think the concern there is they're going to target a skill position player, and maybe that skill position player would have already been targeted by the Eagles. But I think one of the important uh, notes to um, to keep in mind is that Rappaport reported that um, I love how that rolls off the tongue. Rappaport reported that <laughs> yeah. the Eagles wanted to move up to three because they were interested in the Zach Wilson sweepstakes. But it's pretty clear that there's a one and two that it's going to be Lawrence and it's going to be Wilson. So as you know, Eric pointed out that probably locks in a quarterback at three by San Francisco moving up. I think we were all kind of expecting at least three quarterbacks to go off the board. Um, But now the lions might not get their pick of the skill position players that they potentially could have had. Yeah. I I do think that second trade up is kind of the, the interesting piece of the puzzle here, because as you guys are saying, I think, I think quarterbacks going at the top of the draft here, whether it's three or four in the top five, that was kind of expected already, whether it was going to be the 49ers to trade up or maybe someone else or, or even the Eagles to take someone with that third overall pick. So um, <clears throat> so I, I, I do think the the fact that the, the Dolphins wanted to jump up there and specifically jump the lines is, is something that needs to be discussed, something that needs to be analyzed because they, they move there for a reason. Right. And when you're when you're moving up to six, you don't necessarily have a specific guy in mind, I don't think, because at that point you're just kind of 
guessing who's going to be available. Um, but at the same time, if you're moving up, if you're moving back up, there's a certain expectation there that at least one of these guys will be available. And if that's the thinking, at least one of these guys is going to be available. You have to think maybe you you guys are on it. You're like it, it, it's probably a skill position player, right? Look, in, in my mind, uh, it's going to be Lawrence one. And I think everyone's uh, kind of s- becoming aware that the Jets are in on Wilson. Right. And the fact that the uh, the San Francisco 49ers were trying to trade up to two, to, yet the Jets were not even willing to listen means that they probably have their guy. And all indications are that it's going to be Wilson. Right. That, then you look at the fact that Sam Fran is not going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and they want to keep him around for next year. Well, if that's the case, that means they're probably targeting a quarterback that is a developmental quarterback that needs at least one year. And that sounds like Trey Lance. Trey Lance, right? Yep. And he's going to fit their system well. And who knows? Maybe they throw a wrench in and they go after somebody a little bit quirky like a Mac Jones, which is being floated out there because he fits the Shanahan system. But regardless, it seems like that's going to be a quarterback. So then it just becomes, okay, Atlanta and Cincy, you're expecting uh, Atlanta to either go quarterback or they're going to take a skill player. Cincy's either going to take a tackle or a skill player. The odds are they need a tackle to help out uh, Joe Burrow. Um Rumors are he's looking at Chase because they played together at LSU, but it's probably going to be a tackle in my mind if they need – they got to protect them, right? They yeah. just have to. And so that puts – if Atlanta is going to take a skill player and then Miami specifically jumping for a skill player, well, you've got four skill players that are talented. Right. You know what I mean? Even if Cincy takes a skill player, let's say Atlanta, Cincy, Miami, all take a skill player, Lions are still in a position to get one of the top pass catchers out there. So uh, – I think the Lions are still okay sitting at seven. I still think they're while they're they're not going to have the pick of the litter like um, you know like I guess we were hoping. They're still going to have plenty of options, and if another quarterback goes, all the better. Uh, Ryan, let let me ask you this question because I think a lot of people have asked, and I think we also got it on uh, Twitter. Um, What how do how do you think this impacts the, the Lions' likelihood to trade down now? Well, it definitely has to have an impact, right? Because now you're assuming that the top three picks are all going to be quarterbacks. What quarterbacks are going to be left? Because as Eric mentioned, you know, maybe Atlanta targets one. Um, that That's totally in the realm of possibility. So now you're at four quarterbacks. So is there is there a fifth quarterback that anybody would be willing to move up to seven to get? Um, you know, it, um, would would Carolina just be willing to call the Lions bluff and and they're going to get the next quarterback at at eight? I I I think it. I'm not sure if it hurts them entirely, but I think that it has to have somewhat of an effect because the draft the draft is kind of already happening before it happens. You know what I right. mean? Like this, yeah. this happens every year, and usually usually you have one guy off the board, but now it seems like there's at least two. And there's at least three if you're just counting by position. So who knows? I mean, it, it seems like well, – well, here, here's the – I think here's what determines whether or not the Lions can really move back at seven. Is Sewell on the board? Hmm. Or is there a quarterback on the board that somebody right. still wants? Like those, those are the only two guys that I could see anybody willing to pay, you know – a handsome draft capital to move up to seven to get is like one of those two guys. Like, I mean, you're talking about a franchise left tackle 
or a franchise starting quarterback. If, if there isn't really that available, the Lions kind of might be in a situation like they were a year ago. Yeah, and I, I mean, the I think Justin Fields, I guess, is kind of the the wild card here because if if the top of the draft goes as Eric's kind of you know, um, you know, plan uh, or you know, blueprint out over there, is someone going to try to jump the Panthers at eight? And if so, I mean, the Lions make a pretty perfect. Uh, trade partner there because I mean even the Broncos moving from seven to nine probably not going to cost the Broncos a bunch but the Lions would I I would assume willingly take a you know a third or a second or whatever it would take to do that uh, and and it would pay dividends for the Broncos who who definitely I think are, are in the market for a quarterback and and if it meant you know just sending an extra third or an extra second they would willingly play that right yeah I, I think that's a good point Jeremy I, I think yeah, like you can you can map out like the first three picks being quarterbacks, but what if that third quarterback is Mac Jones and now all of a sudden Justin Fields and Trey Lance are still there? Um, you know, not a ton of quarterback needy teams other than the Falcons in between, you know, the the Lions pick and, you know, the, the next pick. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 still all, all up in the air and I guess like I guess we can just categorize these picks or uh you know these these draft pick swaps is just like chaos right <laughs> yeah like it's just much. utter chaos like it, i mean it was so shocking to see the dolphins flip picks twice and they came out i mean they came out looking awesome didn't they i mean they still netted yeah. like a first and a third round pick to move what to move back three spots yeah essentially yeah they're they're i mean the, the crazy amount of draft picks they have over the next three years is just insane. And so yeah. I I would say that this was a blockbuster trade that, that would send shockwaves throughout the rest of the draft. Wouldn't you, Ryan? Okay. All right. <laughs> he, sorry. He was making fun of the Schefter tweet yesterday. Um, uh, one, one more uh, question from our, our website before we jump into some live guests here. Um, this is kind of an interesting hypothetical from Jay Jones, one six four on pride All right. He says, hypothetical. Here's how the top six picks go. Lawrence Wilson fields, and then three wide receivers go Waddle chase Smith. Detroit is now on the clock. They have trade up offers from teams from last year's playoff team. So we're talking about a trade down into the twenties. They're offering just a 2022 first round pick. So what do you take? Do you take Pitts? Do you take Sewell, Parsons, Trey Lance, or do you trade down into the twenties or someone else? I'm so glad I'm not Brad Holmes in that situation. Well, you're you're taking Kyle Pitts. We can just skip you. No, no <laughs> yes, I mean like yes, Kyle Pitts makes a ton of sense right there. But this team is rebuilding. Yeah. Like an, an additional first round pick is nothing to sneeze at, and. That's a pretty significant trade down, though. I mean, you're talking seven to twenty, and the 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 Dolphins went from three to twelve and picked up two third or two first round picks and a third. So you're not getting great value with that trade down. But you're getting an additional starter next year. True. I mean, that's the way you look at it, right? And for a team that hasn't added a linebacker, and I mean, I know Parsons is still on the board in this in this hypothetical, but. I think we've all come around to the idea that maybe drafting Parsons at seven is a little bit too rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are other linebackers that are going to be available a little bit later in the draft. Um, so maybe you can, you, you can, you know, you can take the kid from Notre Dame um, potentially if he's still on the board and you, I don't know, but 
for for a for a defense that needs to be completely overhauled and it's not going to happen just in one year that's i mean that's that's a tough that's a tough call to make what do you think eric uh, i'm i'm not taking that first round pick next year as my only compensation uh a yeah. a, a, a playoff teams draft pick the value of that is about half of what the lions pick is and so if you're telling me i'm going to get half of it now and half of it in a year that doesn't make sense uh to that and it shouldn't make sense to Holmes. like he should he should look at that and say i've got to get something else this year or you know there's got to be a, another way to sweeten the pot beyond just a first rounder next year so from a value standpoint it's not enough for me um i would instead stand pat if those are my only options and then it would become who's the highest rated player i have on my board and you know you, you, there's a bit of a gamble by taking lance because he's not ready there's a there's a bit of a gamble taking pits because of uh you know is is are you going to have to change your offense with him like and not that that's a bad thing but do you have to uh, start adjusting on the fly or do you take Sewell who's probably the most surefire pick here and he's going to essentially establish your offensive line for the next five years. So uh, it'd be a very interesting thing. I I would stand there and I would take Sewell. That's what I would do personally. Yeah, I think that's what Uh, I'm leaning to, but I'm actually kind of also leaning Trey Lance, to be honest. I mean, the other big news in in Lions land this week was the, the, obviously the contract restructure of Jared Goff, which basically ties him, ties them to him for two, two years, essentially, you know, there, there are certain other outs, but um, you know, you, you mentioned it. He's kind of the perfect wait and see developmental potential franchise quarterback and the Lions are in a pretty good position to have him sit and wait and learn. And so, yeah, I I mean, yeah, it, it, honestly, it's a risk. I think you're right. No, yeah. I think you're right it, on. I absolutely. All right. Um, thank you for for the written questions, everybody. Um, but for our live audience, we want this to be a special treat. So, um, if you are interested in asking us a question live, you can join by hitting that speaker request button. And if you're just listening on the podcast, download the locker room app so that you can join us uh, at 10:30 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays. Doing this one a little early, but we do have one person waiting, and it's our good friend Mathis. Mathis, how you doing, man? It's going all right. How's it going with you guys? Great, great. Um, so I guess what, one thing I, I wanted to ask is, um, well, this this is probably the, the, these trades are pretty crazy, especially with Miami. Basically, they somehow moved down like three spots, but netted like a first round pick. I, that's just magic to me. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I guess my question is, when you're when you're looking at these players, it seems like the farthest you would trade down if you're interested in getting any of the um, the the skill positions is about ten. So where the Cowboys are, um, what would it take? What what kind of compensation would you need to see? to move down to to outside that, to not get one of those skill position players. I assume everybody wants one of those guys, but like something like 12 or below, what, what do you, what kind of draft compensation are you, are you looking for in that situation? Cause I know, I understand twenties is probably like that to give us something crazy, but like 12 to 15 is a bit more of a reasonable place to, 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 if you're going to trade all the way down. 
Yeah, that's that's a good question because I think a lot of trade down scenarios involve a team like maybe the Patriots looking for a quarterback and they're they're at fifteen or maybe even the the Raiders or the Washington football team which are at seventeen and nineteen. So let me let me throw this over to to Ryan. Um, do you have a uh, a, a compensation in mind to move down into those teams where you, you're kind of looking at that second tier of players. Yeah, I think it's an additional second round pick. Like okay. to be honest, when I'm, when mm-hmm. I'm looking at the draft value chart right now, like um, I mean, depending on which one you're looking at, but <clears throat> if, if the lions have the seventh pick and uh, that's valued at like 1500 points, for instance, like once you start moving back into the teens, those picks are valued somewhere between, you know, 1150 and like 900. So, I mean, if you're moving back that far, um, you start talking about draft compensation in terms of a second round pick being in the neighborhood of like 300 to 400 points. Um, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. I mean, it might be something where it's like move back, get a second round pick and maybe like pick swap a you know, a fifth round or a sixth round pick, something like that. But um, the, I think what is so attractive for the lions is trading back is um, yeah. I mean, they, they added Alex Anzalone, but I, what else do they have there in terms of a long-term solution, a long-term plan? That was just a one-year deal um, safety, uh, even cornerback at this point. I mean, RIP Daryl Roberts in that dream, right? So, the Lions have to they have to find all these contingency plans and right now as as slated they only have six picks. So I think that's what's what's very attractive about trading back. And in terms of compensation, um yeah, I, I think I would start with like a second round pick. Eric, you asking for more than that? Um yeah, I think if you go to twelve, it's probably closer to a third, but anything beyond twelve for sure is going to be a second rounder. I agree with that. And and I do think coupling it with any type of day three compensation as well is going to be terrific because like Ryan just said, they only have six picks and he's you you want quantity right now in a in a rebuild. So if you're gonna drop back and uh you know the team's offering a third you can still justify taking a third only as long as you're trying to get some back end compensation. Give me a six rounder. Give me, give me two six rounders or something like that. Right. Or you can again, start pushing maybe capital into the future as well. So give me a, a third now and a fourth next year or something like that. Right. So yeah, I, I, if you're going back to 12, like Mathis suggested, I think it's probably in round three, but yeah, beyond that. Yeah. It, it, the chart says, you, you're probably getting a second or a maybe – I don't think you're necessarily going to get another first rounder next year or anything like that in trading back in any of these scenarios. But uh, I'd be pushing for at least – at minimum a day two, and hopefully you can add some more day threes in there just for volume. Do you, do you think it's fair to ask if if you're pretty certain that they're trading up to get a quarterback – do you think you can sweeten the pot a little bit? Like say, hey, I mean, let's say it's the Patriots at 15. You're dropping a little bit further than that. Do you think you could squeeze a first rounder out of that if you're pretty sure, let's say, Trey Lance is there? I mean, maybe, right? It, it depends yeah. on, on – one, I don't think the Patriots would do that. Uh, but if you're right, talking yeah, about – <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but if you're saying, okay, let's say it's Washington, because uh, they let's say they want a they quarterback, they pick at 19. Um, yeah. They're going to have to give you a first, right? Because now you're getting into that uh, area where you're starting to drop your value by about half. So now you're going to need Washington's first next year. And probably you're still going to want to put some picks this year as well. So 
it really just depends how far back you're going to drop. Uh, if it's Denver wanting to jump Carolina, I don't think you're going to, you're not going to get a first out of that scenario, but you could be too. And maybe. All right. Uh, any other questions, Mathis, before we move on? Um, I guess let's assume, let's assume Micah Parsons is off, is off the board. Who would you pick in like 15, 16 around there? Who, who would you pick? Just right. I want to throw that one back to Eric because <laughs> I, I I'll be honest I'm focusing a lot on the top ten right now. Uh, is there is there someone in that middle of that first round where you're just like this is good value if, if the Lions tend to trade back? I mean I know maybe a corner option there, edge option is there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of options. Um, the the key is is you're just you're tearing down a bit, right? Um, I do think a guy like Quiddy Pay, um, who just had a good uh, pro day yesterday, is a guy who's going to be an option in like the teen, in the late teens, like sixteen to, through nineteen, somewhere in there. Um, a guy I've been growing on quite a bit is Jalen Phillips, another edge rusher out of Miami. I think he could end up going in that range. Um, the if Parsons is gone and you're still on the hook for a linebacker, you're like, I really want a guy uh, in that range. Then uh, Ousu Kamara or Xavier Collins are both linebackers who I think are probably going to end up in like um, the late teens, early twenties, uh, maybe even mid twenties. I like both those guys as well. Yeah. Corner is going to be interesting too, right? Cause you got three of them and, and, and you're, I mean, I think three of them could go in the top half of this draft in all honesty, a first round. So, um, if they if they want to go that way, there's there's options too. So, yeah, there's there's a handful of guys. Um, it's just a matter of you know where do you think the weakness is? And in all honesty, um, I'm not sure I can pinpoint one guy as the guy I would want. What about you, Ryan? Is is there is there one guy that you're you're kind of circling if you're around 15 in this draft? Um, well, I'm, I'm concerned when, when Eric talks about the cornerbacks, I am a little bit concerned about Caleb Farley and his back. Anytime anybody mentions things like back surgery, mm. like that's nothing like that's nothing light. Like that's something to, to definitely consider. Um, but there are, I mean, there are tons of other options. Um, I, I think, I think Eric mentioned a couple of the really good ones. I think the interesting thing, Eric, is to see how the bo- how, how the board unfolds and what maybe other offensive tackles are available. Like for some reason, if Rashawn Slater is there, I think he <clears throat> he would be a dynamite pick because he's a guy who <clears throat> can naturally fit into that right tackle position because he's played it before at college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christian Darrisaw, um, I, I, the uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. There, there are quite a few offensive tackles that I think grade out close to being, you know, uh, first round picks that you could you could talk me into um, at, at that point. Yeah, Tevin Jenkins is a right tackle at Oklahoma State. Jalen Mayfield, right tackle at Michigan. Both those guys are in probably going to go in the the mid to late twenties. Um, I maybe slip into the second round there, uh, but both those guys are plug and play, and you just sit on them for the next five years as an anchor for sure. Yeah, and the, I know we, we've heard you know some of the Lions staff say well, maybe we're building from the outside to in, but. You look at that offensive line, and it really does feel like it's one piece away from being something really, really special. And for a team that might be trying to establish the run, they might be trying to give Jared Goff every possible thing he can do outside of, I guess, receivers um, to to kind of make him comfortable. I have to say that's pretty tempting on, on my end, too. I know the defense needs a lot of work, but um, to give Jared Goff like a really a, a chance to be this team's future franchise quarterback, 
I, I think offensive tackle is definitely in play there uh, in the middle of the first round if the lines move back there. Uh, thanks for the questions, Mathis. Let's uh, move on to some of our other speakers. We got a nice queue going up here. Uh, let's bring in Nathan. Nathan, how you doing, man? How y'all doing? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you, man. All right, man. Um, this draft has really got me in, like, giving me headaches because – I, you know, I really thought the Lions were in a really good position to trade down possibly because the demand on quarterbacks was going to be there. And it seems like the teams are getting desperate and they're just like, if they see somebody they like, they're going to move up now, i.e. the 49ers, um, you know, because Garoppolo's always hurt. So I think the Lions' ability to trade down is probably not going to be in the best interest. And on top of that, like you guys were talking, the value is not going to be that great if they do trade down. So I think the Lions are going to stay pat at seven. Now, the thing I have is that um, I, 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 I don't believe the board's going to follow the Lions' way. Hell, it never does. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think Chase is going to be gone by the time the Lions draft. Um, Waddle will probably be there, but I'm with you, Jeremy. I, I think that if you add a Penny Sewell or you add a Slater to this line, you're going to solidify this line for the next five, 10 years. And, you know, on top of that, like this line could be as good as the Dallas Cowboys line back in the day. And you look at the running backs we have with Swift, with Williams, with carry on. Anthony Lynn is a former running backs coach. You know he wants to run the football. I mean, this is going to be something special if they can get a guy like Slater to either plug in at guard because I think he can do both. He could play guard or he could play tackle. And then if you put Halut Vitae as guard, you know, or tackle, whatever it is, but you look at that line with Ragnow, an all-pro. You look at Decker, who's a solid left tackle. You look at Jonah Jackson, who is an up-and-coming good guard. I mean, you, I mean, I think you double down and you just add to this O-line and protect Goff as much as possible, you know, or whoever quarterback you're going to bring in in the next couple of years. I mean, you know, you got to have that foundation set up, even though the defense does need a lot of help. Um, I worry about Parsons because of the character issues that I think sure. that Dan Campbell will just steer away from him because there's a lot of allegations out there that very well could could be worse than what they're saying. And I don't think Dan Campbell wants to do that. He's shown high character guys has been like their big mantra. And I just don't see him going that route. So I honestly think it could be a very – it could be an offensive lineman. So – um, I just kind of wanted to chime in with you on, on that, Jeremy, because I thought that you hit a nail around the head. Why not? You know, I mean, you build through the trenches, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's certainly kind of the old school mentality. And I think it, it still works in today's NFL. But let me let me turn that into question for the other two guys. It, let's say Waddle is still on the board. Devontae Smith is still on the board and, and Sewell is still on the board. Who are you taking? I'm taking Sewell. I think Absolutely. he's the better player. Um, now that being said, this is a this is an offensive tackle class where there's probably twelve that you're going to get in the first hundred picks, and then you look over at the receivers, and you could argue the same thing. There's probably fifteen uh, wide receivers that you can get in the first hundred picks. Those are two very deep spots, so it, you're gonna get you're gonna be able to get a, a tackle. It, 
somewhere in one year with one of your first four picks. You're going to get a wide receiver somewhere with one of your first four picks. So then it just becomes a matter of which one has the better ceiling above their counterparts. In my opinion, that's going to be Sewell. Um, even though it's going to be extraordinarily tempting to to take one of the receivers, and that's what I, what I think they never. Uh, what about you, Ryan? And, and you know what? I, I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot Pitts in there. You can you can throw him in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that would be the pick, right? I mean that would be, uh, that would be the pick. Please but no. Here, yeah, well, no, Nathan, just relax, okay? So I can just see the Lions fan base. We take a pie tight end, and everybody's like, oh, my God, we did another tight end back-to-back years. God yeah, help us. And, and, all, and all those people would be telling on themselves for how little little football they watch. Um, so the thing – here's my legitimate concern, and, and, and it might be something that isn't, isn't so substantiated. Um, and it's something that, you know uh, – math bomb and i had had talked about in our in our slack channel but like is there any concern about what happens with sewell and decker because it's not just as easy as like flipping over like we we've seen this before like being a swing tackle isn't an easy thing to do and sewell is a natural left tackle so do you move decker to right tackle do you do you move sewell to right tackle and you're and you're you're (laughs) I, I just don't know if it's that easy. Has he played right tackle before? No, he hasn't. But, you know, he he, he looks very much like Taylor Lewan, who has done it, right? He play, Stylistically, he's like that. He's well, athletic. His temperament isn't like that. Well, right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he's – yeah. Um, but – He's so athletic that he can play both sides. He'll be able to adjust. I, I, I'm confident that he would be able to do either side. I think Decker can play either side, and you know personally. But right now, Decker is a top ten left tackle in this league. There's no reason right. so why to try and move him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I would move. I would move Sewell, and I would just you know be happy. The thing that we have to, I think you know, keep thinking about is the fact that. In today's NFL, it used to be that protecting the blind side was the most important because that's where the athletes were pass rushing from. Well, now they're pass rushing from both sides, and you need your right yeah. tackle to be as athletic as your left tackle. And yes, while run games are still geared towards that right side, you it's you really have to have balance now. Like it's that's just the way the NFL has been trending, and that's why we're starting to see right tackles get paid like left tackles. Right? It's it's slowly getting there. But think about like what the Eagles did with Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson was a highly athletic left tackle in college, and then they picked him up, put him on the right side, and then he thrived, and he's still thriving as a right tackle. Right? So it. I, I'd pick him up. I'd plug him in at right side. I'd be happy. And then now you've got a guy who can play left tackle if Taylor Gon- Taylor uh, Decker's uh, contract is up. If uh, he gets injured, like the, you have options. And and I think Sewell is just too talented to just you know overlook because he's only played left tackle at the college level. Yeah, I I, I agree. I agree with you, Eric. I, I definitely think it would be a good situation for the Lions to have a top 10 tackle already and then get Sewell who they can groom to possibly, you know, play right or play left, you know, and, and, and it kind of makes me think about what the Lions got Wagner and they had Decker, you know, Wagner wasn't a bad right tackle. And I think that was one of the years that maybe, you know, Stafford didn't get sacked a lot, you know, because he was able to hold his own, at the right tackle position, take that from the last couple of years. I mean, the right tackle has been a mess. So getting a guy like Sewell, who's a, who's a mauler, um, 
one question about Sewell. Are you, any of y'all concerned about him not playing for a whole season? I mean, I, I mean short answer is no. Uh, you're going to see a lot of guys in this yeah. draft with, with that well, issue. Parsons, and, for sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, some some of the wide receivers, too. And, and so – it, it's just it's just a, a, a kind of grim reality of this year's draft class. You're going to have to be taking some chances here, and and you know it, it's it's not ideal, but at this point, it, it's something that just you're, you're going to have to deal with. And and I I think the talent is just obvious enough there where you, you can't really let that hold you hold you back. I don't think. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate you joining the show. As always, let's uh, let's bring another one aboard. Matthew. Hello. Matthew, can you hear us? Hey, man. Hello. I'm from England, by the way. Um, so I thought I'd give a try this locker room. Um, really, really like what you lot do. I think what, I'm, what I was going to ask is quite similar to what Nathan asked. And I was just thinking about the Rams and um, and just just they, they, they didn't seem to um, go for wide receivers like early. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. and they didn't seem, and I don't know if Dorsey really went for wide receivers either early. And I think we just, you'd love to get wide receiver because it's exciting, isn't it? And he's he's right. it makes you really excited to see and like that. But I think maybe uh, just the more sensible picks like the the like the the, um, the tackles as well just seems to be more um, maybe what they're thinking or maybe I'm presumptuous there. Uh, maybe what um, might be the best choice? Yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a tough philosophical question. I, uh, let me let me ask you kind of a, a reform question here, Eric. Okay, how how no, that's okay. Um, how how much do you how much value I guess you put in the Rams drafting tendencies? Um, given you know obviously that the Lions have Brad Holmes. I think, because I think I, sorry, I think no, that's a really good point because he obviously was there, but he wasn't the top person we'll see and it's a different situation anyway so they might go wide receivers I mean we need a wide receiver these guys are just fantastic but I don't know I just think you look at you kind of want the wide receiver you kind of like oh this this is fantastic he's going to be he's going to excite us he's going to be this good. we're going to see him score 20 <laughs> touchdowns in season. Right. but yeah I just wonder if uh, if that is actually what they're thinking or they're thinking actually we can get a Michael, well, we've seen someone like Michael Thomas goes, he didn't go in the first round, or Golladay didn't go in the first round. You, you pick so many of these top wide receivers don't go in the first round, and and there's depth in this in this draft, so maybe that's where they're thinking. We can go back in the second. We got an early pick in the second and get quite a good one, and he might he might flourish even better than these guys. Yeah, I, I think Eric made a really good point earlier about how deep this receiver class is in terms of, you know, the top 100 picks. You're looking at maybe, I mean, in the neighborhood of like 12 to 15 guys in the first 100 picks at, at wide receiver, Eric. Yeah, I, I agree. And if we look at how and when they the Rams have targeted receivers in the past, um, the first year that uh, Brad Holmes was the college scouting director for the Rams. Uh, the first pick that they made was Tavon Austin, the wide receiver, right? And then uh, last year they took Van Jefferson in the second round. They took Cooper Cup in the third. Uh, they took Stedman Bailey in the third. 
uh, Farrell Cooper in the fourth, Josh Reynolds in the fourth, and then they took a couple of six rounders. But most of their most of the time when they're targeting their wide receivers, it's in the first four rounds, right? And I think that matches up with the with the depth here. So they're they're if they're going to get a uh, a wide receiver, my guess is that they're pro- they're going to be looking to add somebody in the first four rounds. Now, again, that's based on what the Rams have done since Brad Holmes was the uh, scouting director. Um, but I think that matches up well with this class. They're going to, if they get a guy in those first hundred picks, then they're going to get a guy who can probably come in and start right on day one. And then if they want to add more depth on day three, then that's fine too. There's still value there because it's such a deep class, but um, I don't think you have to go receiver at one, but I, there is, they have done it in the past. And, and one other thing to keep in mind, they traded a first round pick for Brandon cooks. So they definitely value wide receivers, yeah. I think highly. Um, but yeah, given the draft class, given their needs, I think, I think it's definitely on the board for there at number seven and, and even maybe likely, but um, patience could also pay off. I think in this draft class, do you know an, another interesting point uh, that I think, Brad Holmes will keep uh, in the back of his head. Uh, And it came from that article that came out this week um, by uh, Lindsey Thury um, Mm -hmm. about uh, Jared Goff and and his relationship with Sean McVay. But I think it pointed out a really, a really important point with um, the the kind of changeover that happened in 2019. Um, The offensive line, so much turnover, like Roger Saffold left in free agency. They declined their, their option on John Sullivan's contract, right? Tackle, you know, Rob Havenstein, he was sidelined midway through the season because of knee injury. Like once that kind of fell apart, things became really difficult for Jared Goff and Sean McVay and their offense. And, you know, to add to that Todd Gurley, you know, he, he was dealing with knee issues as well. So, um, I think that that's maybe something that Brad Holmes takes into consideration as well. It's like, hey, we've seen Jared Goff be successful. It's when he has a sturdy offensive line in front of him and a nice run game. So that that's also something I think to keep in mind too. You know, if we if we go back and we look at like the history, their draft history with the offensive line with the Rams, uh, they again are very happy taking them early. Right, uh, the second first round pick that was ever made with Holmes as the scouting director was Greg Robinson, who they took second overall. Right, now Havenstein, who, Havenstein, who Ryan just mentioned, he was a second round pick. Then they have, mm-hmm. uh, then they t- use a third round pick three other times a fourth round pick three other times so they're they're not it's it's again it's another uh position where they are aggressive in the first hundred picks to go after so in my mind again this is a this is another situation where value in this draft class meets uh, a drafting history with the rams and so getting an offensive tackle and getting a wide receiver in the first hundred picks seems just almost too logical for, for the lions this year all right thanks for the question matthew hopefully uh, you you get to see a a lions game over there this year Uh, i think you guys missed out on one last year yeah i I, I watched the atlanta one uh, a few years ago oh yeah yeah that was a fun one (laughs) great game i had hands had in the hands oh no and there's a bear fan behind me giving me rubbish (laughs) <laughs> that's all they're, that's all they're good for matthew that's all they're good for. <laughs> all right appreciate you joining the show matthew we'll, we'll talk to you again soon hopefully thank you very much thanks Bye. 
All right, we got a queue of six people, so I'm going to ask if you guys can try to keep it nice and short here. We got about 15, 20 more minutes here to answer your questions. Let's let's bring Trip back here. Hopefully, issues are figured out here. Trip, can you hear us? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes. I apologize for the first time. It's a bit of a give take situation I'm in right now. <laughs> no worries. An antique store with my girlfriend, but she knows Saturdays are for Pride of Detroit. Luxury. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, real. I'll keep it quick. Uh, I'm trying to. You know, obviously, we all have our ideas for what should happen at seven. Um, let's just uh, realistically, I think quarterbacks are all four will be gone by seven. Um, and, and with that being said, um, you're, if you're Brad Holmes, just knowing his history, I mean, you guys kind of just alluded to it. I may have dreamt this, but I'm pretty sure they said that they are going to build from the outside in. Yep. Um, kind of symbolizes Sewell or a receiver. I tend to lean that Sewell's not going to be there, but let's just say you're Brad Holmes and the draft falls the way that you think it's going to. Knowing Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, I guess they'll have quite a say. Who do you think they select based off what they want? Do you think I, – I, I lean it's Devontae Smith, but I also am nervous based off the fact that the two times before they took small receivers um, and with the Rams, it did not go as planned. Yeah, this is a good question because we've essentially kind of talked around this whole point all show, really. But what I guess the the easy question here is, what do you think is going to happen? Who is the the guy, the Lions target out of this? All these guys that we talked that might be there. We talked about our own preferences, but what do the Lions want? Right, Ryan, what do you think? I think they want Kyle Pitts. (laughs) (laughs) No, I. You're projecting. um, Yeah, I'm projecting. Sorry, Um, (laughs) I, I, you know. We, we just talked about it, right, with with Eric mentioning the the types of players that they value and where they value them in the draft. And I think the board is lining up for where the where, you know, Brad Holmes and the Rams kind of attack things. If they want to grab a skill position player, they 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 can do it later on uh, getting a wide receiver. But at seven, like. I mean, with the, with this run of quarterbacks, there's going to be the pick of, you know, maybe Maybe Sewell, maybe Rashawn Slater, maybe, you know, maybe then all of a sudden the, the option turns up to, to move back. But I think I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think the Lions want to put Jared Goff in a successful situation. And I, I think the, the best way to do that is to put an offensive line in front of them. I mean, the, the Lions did their due diligence and they have a backfield. I think we can all agree on that. We. Yep. Jeremy Jeremy's going into this draft with the weight of the world off of his shoulders because he knows there isn't going to be a running back taken on day one, or maybe, probably even day two. Um, fingers crossed. So, fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. Right. So, but with a with an established backfield, with an offensive line that you know, Jeremy, you did mention earlier, it, it feels like it's one piece away from being like you know really rock solid. I think I think that I think that that's definitely on the table. Eric. Let me let me frame the question a little different. Let, let's throw offensive. Let's just say it's wide receiver. Let's say they're targeting a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Which wide receiver do you think best fits what the Lions want to do? Because, I mean, we, we've seen all the fast guys. Is there room for kind of a, a more physical receiver like Jamar Chase? Not that he's not fast, because I think there's a, a, a weird misconception about there that that guy's not fast, but he certainly is. Um, but, yeah, out of those three guys, or Kyle Pitts or maybe anyone else, do you think there's a guy that specifically fits what you think the Lions are looking for? Uh, I mean, based on what they've done, Waddle seems like the most – logical fit um i i think chase is going to be higher on their board because he's a more complete player uh but Mm -hmm. waddle is going to fit what they want right uh smith is going to fit what they want too uh because he can 
he can get separation from the slot, right? Even though he's more of an outside player. Whereas Waddle is, he's a separation guy all over the place and you can use him in a lot of different spots. Uh, Chase, Chase can really do it all though. I mean, and I think he can be physical. He can, he can separate. He's, he's got four, four speed. Smith's got like four, four, five speed, but Waddle has like four, two, seven speed. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and if, you you have a quarterback that needs somebody that can separate. All three of these guys can do it, but Waddle is the one that consistently can get it at all different points in the in in the field. I mean, I, I say that like, and I don't mean it to discount the other guys because I think Devonta Smith was the high, the highest rated separation of slot re- of receivers in the slot position last year. So it's like. I, but Chase didn't play last year, right? You know what I mean. So, yep. uh, it's it's really hard uh, to pick him. It, 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 if I had to guess, the order that would be Chase Waddle Smith, that would be my projection. Fair enough. All right, Trip. Thank you for the question. Thanks. You too, man. Thanks for making Saturday's Pride of Detroit. Always. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, I don't remember which order all these people came in, so I'm just gonna go top to bottom. So, Carrie. Welcome to the show, Kerry. Hey, appreciate it, guys. I'll, I'll keep it really quick. I really love the podcast, guys. Appreciate um, it. A diehard Lions fan. I actually live in Dallas Cowboy um, country, Ooh. so it, it's it's really really difficult. Um, but <laughs> but you know, it just it just seems like um, it seems like this year with the new with the new leadership, it seems like there's a lot of synergy, um, and it kind of gives me confidence. And I'm just kind of curious. Because with the draft, you know, whether we stay at seven, whether we trade trade down for more picks, um, you know, and there's still a lot of different things that can happen today leading into the draft or even on draft day. Um, my question is, regardless of what we do, stay at seven, move down, how confident are you guys with the new leadership based off some of the things that they've done up to this point? And the second part of my question is – is it anything that feels different from when Quinn kind of transitioned into um, making these decisions um, years back versus um, the new GM? I like that question a lot, actually, uh, because when you're in such like the, the infancy of a new regime, I think everyone tends to have some rose colored glasses because it's changed. You know, it's there's certainly a lot of differences between this regime and the past regime. And everyone kind of views change in and of itself as something positive, but it's not always positive. So um, I'm interested to hear what your guys thoughts are here. Uh, Let's let's go to Ryan first. Yeah, I I think what was interesting with Quinn and the way that he started, right, he started with Taylor Decker. Easily, I think you can say he was his best draft pick. I mean, yes, in terms of value, maybe you can make an argument that Kenny Galladay was a better pick, but look look who's still around today. Look who is one of the top 10 left tackles, I think, in the NFL. And it it was interesting to see Quinn's progression, though, because at first he's making these selections with Jim Caldwell as, as his coach, and then things started to unravel a little bit, like in 2017, and you start to you know reach on some players that you feel really confident in, like Tease Tabor, and then eventually it was reaching for players like Jelani Tavai, and now we're drafting for Matt Patricia. And, you know, I, I don't know how comfortable maybe Bob Quinn ever felt um, picking for, for Jim Caldwell especially, but then maybe he got a little bit too comfortable drafting for, for Matt Patricia and, and relying on 
you know, drafting players specifically for a scheme that belongs in, you know, the, uh, the stone age. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm encouraged, you know, back to, back to your, uh, you know, your first question, Carrie, I I'm encouraged with the moves that Holmes has made so far throughout free agency. Um, mm-hmm. and the way that he has approached free agency in terms of like the skill position players, for instance. Um, yeah, he locked up Jamal Williams for a couple of years. It seems like the, the, you know, the backfield is set up. Well, he's also signed some players that could have, you know, breakout seasons, um, on one year contracts in, in the wide receiver room. But if those guys don't work out, well, that's fine because there's going to be a receiver that's going to be available at seven. So I think what, Holmes has done is he's put himself in a situation and take it all the way back to the to Matthew Stafford trade. He set himself up for future success by adding more draft capital. So I I'm encouraged by some of the moves. Yes. That, that Holmes has made and, and that that's going to be the thing that's going to be most interesting, right? Eric is like the first draft of Brad Holmes. Everybody's going to probably overanalyze it. Right. Yeah, I, look, and, and I think they're in two very different spots when they took over the organization. Um, Holmes yep. is coming in in a situation similar to Martin Mayhew, where he had mm. to take this thing down to the studs in order to build it back up again. And um, those first couple of years, what Mayhew did um, – he had to reach for talent in the draft because he didn't have a lot of capital. He didn't have a lot of spending space. And so um, those reaches that Mayhew took uh, gambling on players that um, had uh, off the field histories, gambling on players uh, who had injury histories and he, but had a very high talent. Some of those things came and backfired on him and ended up, you know, leading towards his downfall. Um, But, I don't think you're seeing that situation with Holmes. Holmes isn't going after and gambling on guys right now. He's he's investing. He's taking it down to the studs again. He's investing more one year. He's taking a more cautious approach uh, than Mayhew did. Now there's a there's there's some benefit to when you gamble to that that things can pay off. But with with Mayhew, it just the the salary cap eventually became a house of cards for him, and um. Right now, it's just too early to see if the salary cap is going – how he handles the salary cap, if that's going to work out. Right now, he seems to be handling it fine because he knows he doesn't have a lot of money, so he's trying to work his way through it. And and so I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing and how he's approaching it. Um, I, it's – like I said, I, I think if you look back at what – he's more comparable. I try to look at him compared to Mayhew, and I, I think right now he's taking a more cautious approach, which I think is a little bit uh, – is the right way to do it. Yeah, and just really quick before before we move on, I, I'm with you. Everything I've seen from Brad Holmes right now, I think I've been very encouraged about. He, he's inheriting just an awful situation where his franchise quarterback wants to go. You're, you're dealing with a, a, a very strange year in terms of salary cap, and he's taken a very savvy approach in building those kind of future assets with the Stafford trade. And then, like Eric said, taking a very fiscally responsible uh, way towards free agency where you're picking up guys that are going to contribute this year. Maybe you find a diamond in the rough or two and you either re-sign those guys next year or turn them for a compensatory pick next year. And it does feel like they're playing the compensatory pick game a little bit, which makes a lot of sense. My only real concern with like the whole, you know, kumbaya, this regime is, is all, you know, getting together along and everyone's fantastic is like, well, one, I'm, I'm 
I'm encouraged over that than, you know, kind of the authoritarian style that the previous regime has, but they need to win. And right. I, don't, I don't know if I really <laughs> believe in, in Dan Campbell yet. Like he's a fun guy. He's going to make the lines fun. He's going to make every press conference interesting. And that alone has value. Like sports is entertainment. Let's, let's not overlook that. But in terms of actually winning football games, I have a lot of questions about Dan Campbell and those just aren't going to be answered until September at the earliest. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. what I'm hearing and I'll, I'll log off. Uh, as long as we don't take a quarter, but um, you know, running back at seven, we're, we're, we're all good. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're on the right track there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Appreciate it guys. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the call there, man. All right. Let's bring in Mike K. I know you've been waiting a while, Mike. Can you hear us, Mike? Yeah, I can hear you guys perfectly. How are you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing this. I appreciate it. You guys sure, are doing sure. an awesome job, man. I, I just, uh, I love it. And I love the addition of Eric and been listening to all you guys for a while. But uh, I wanted to tell you guys, um, you know, obviously with the Miami move up, I don't know how much that changes the dynamic of the team. You know what I mean? I, I mean, of, of what that they're going to do with the seventh pick. Obviously, Miami was moving up uh, strategically. If you listen to the news, they were kind of calling from four up and eventually to the head of dancing partner. So it looks like they were desperately trying to get in front of Detroit. So maybe their their needs mirror. But um, do you guys think that it could be for, 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 for Pearsons that maybe that they're looking for Makeup Arson um, or, or maybe looking at – uh, adding because if when you look at the, what they're doing in free agency, there's there's two positions that they need that they haven't really added to. That's offensive line, whether it be depth or even starter, and linebacker. I mean, Anzalone is an auxiliary piece at best. Uh, I mean, in wide receiver, they've added a ton of people, and it looks like this team wants to be this play action vertical game. Uh, you know that I think is probably you know set. So back and forth in regards to what they've been doing in, 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 in L.A. With, with running the ball, especially when they had um, Gurley going. Is, 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 is there a potential that we can kind of get screwed here with Miami kind of looking at the linebacker piece as well and, and possibly even looking at offensive line? Because uh, it looks like this wide receiver uh, draft class is probably going to be one of the best that we've seen in a long time. I mean, I was hoping that we'd get Bateman or Rondell Moore in the second round, maybe look at a, a wide receiver, get some juice in the, that 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 sort of that, that core. But it doesn't look like those guys are going to even make it to that. So it looks like there's probably seven or six guys that are going to be drafted in the first round. So I guess if the Lions go Parsons or an offensive lineman, which I think probably is the most likely scenario, what do you think we 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 do in the second round? Good question all around there. Uh- it would be interesting to see if the Dolphins were interested in Parsons because I know what they they lost Kyle Van Noy this offseason. Um, and yeah, I, I think the more you look into it, you're, you're on to something there that the, the Dolphins needs kind of mirror the lines and that they might be in, in an offensive tackle. They might be in on a linebacker. They might be in on a wide receiver. Um, but but yeah, let's let's talk about that scenario. Let's say the Lions go um, offensive tackle or they go Micah Parsons with their first round pick. Who Who do you like in the second round? Let's start with Eric. Uh, well, I don't, first of all, I think it's more likely it's a tackle than Parsons. I, I, I do think Parsons is, uh, he could be a target for Miami. I don't think he's as much a target for the Lions. I, I say that now, but you know, I hope I'm not jinxing myself. I, I just don't, <laughs> I don't think he is going to set up exactly for what they're looking for. Um, 
there's value there to him, but I, I just don't know. I don't think it's as valuable as the other players that are on the board. Uh, so if they if they do take, let's say, an offensive tackle uh, in the first, then you are going to be looking at a wide receiver in the second. Or if they – okay, I mean, if it's hard to tell, really, without knowing what that first pick is, right? Uh, right? There are going to be some receivers there. Like, I could see a Rondell Moore sliding to 41 because he's smaller, right? He's only 5'7", and that's going to sour on some teams. Uh, Bateman, I do think, will probably go a little earlier. Uh, Terrence Marshall from LSU is going to be out there. Elijah Moore, if you if you want to plug-and-play slot receiver. those There are some good um, – wide receivers that are going to be on the list. But I'm also not going to rule out the fact that they might get a chance at 41 to take the top defensive tackle in this class or the top safety in this class, because that's kind of when those two positions start to pick up as well. So, and, and, you know, those are two spots they have not addressed in free agency. You know, um, you just said that um, – now, Mike Mike just said, you know, the Lions haven't addressed offensive tack, offensive line in free agency. Absolutely true. They haven't also – they haven't addressed defensive tackle and they haven't addressed safety either. And so those could be spots where they are looking at the draft and saying, hey, at 41, we're expecting one of those guys to be there. They could get uh, a very good value by taking one of those guys at, at, at 41. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next question because we, we got two more guys we got to get through here and, and we're running towards the end of here. But, Mike, appreciate the question, bud. Thanks for joining the show today. Um, let's bring in da- Dan. Can you hear me, Dan? Yeah. How's it going, man? Can you hear me? Yep, yep you're good. Oh, sorry, mate. I, I do the double hitting of the English here. and I, I had a question I'd sent to Ryan, and I'm probably sounding like a bit of an idiot, but <laughs> why, why did the Patriots – two tight end sets work and obviously you know with Gronk and the other guy and, and why would it not necessarily work for us um, if we did get Kyle Pitts because I do think that you know Mar- I, I, I'll just stick with that so you, so you don't run out of time yeah I mean go ahead Ryan let's make make your pitch for for Kyle Pitts and the two tight end attack my my pitch for Pitts. This is a uh, locker room <laughs> special uh, pit stop, real quick that we don't normally do here. But um, I mean, let, let's go back to our conversation with Deuce Staley, right? Thirteen personnel. This is something that the Lions are going to be in. Um, who knows how often they'll use it? But like getting a guy like Josh Hill, he is a supplemental piece, um, as as mentioned by you know Sean Payton and things like calling him the front door to the Saints offense. Yeah, he's going to be critical when it comes to blocking and things like that. But if you can get two highly skilled pass catchers like TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts and you get both those guys on the field at the same time, that that creates for so many dynamic scenarios because Pitts is 6'5", 240. And yet, I mean, he might not be able to create the kind of separation that a – you know, a wide receiver can can typically create against a defensive back, but like, how many mismatches would he would he be you know lined up against a linebacker or um, you know taking advantage of a smaller cornerback um, because his his ability to to you know attack at the catch point is just I mean it's it's almost unparalleled in this draft class. I I I'm easily sold on Pitts because I I am not boxing him in as a tight end. I am calling him an offensive weapon he's he's absolutely that in every sense of the word so i think that for a team that would be interested in running like 13 personnel you can have a a guy who is 
kind of your more traditional can do can do both things really well can block can can pass catch like tj hawkinson and then you can just get crazy with kyle pitts let's have fun detroit lions football 2021 let's have fun <laughs> the, Thanks, the, the big skill position as, as dan campbell puts it uh yeah. thank Thanks for the question, Dan. <laughs> Let me take the counterpoint to Ryan uh, because I thought, okay. I thought I thought that was a good uh, that was a good question that we had there. Um, the, you know, why does the two tight ends work in, um, in in New England, and and why might it be a problem? Right, Ryan's very much all in on Kyle Pitts, and and I get that he's a super talent. Uh, the reason that I have Pitts ranked lower than the wide receivers is because. Pitts is mainly going to be working out of the slot, and that's what you're going to be doing with, with, with Hawkinson as well. And if you have two of your primary pass catchers in the slot, it kind of shortens the playing field a little bit. And if it shortens the playing field, you get you get bigger boxes. And if you get bigger boxes, it's harder to run against. And so the reason I am leaning more towards the receivers over Pitts is because they're going to spread out the offense a little bit more. That's going to open up, make, make for lighter boxes. That's going to make uh, it easier to execute the run game in which they want so two two tight ends can work but you also it's going to work i think counter to the establishing the run concept that they want if pitts was a more balanced um tight end like hawkinson then you can talk about playing 13 personnel a lot more i just don't know if pitts is that is that guy and so the the weapon that i think they need to add to offense is a guy who can keep the defense is honest on the outside and that's why i'm valuing the receivers over pits in this situation fair enough fair enough all right uh, i think we got to end things there we're a little bit up against it and we normally we do a little bit of overtime but i know uh some of our co-hosts here uh have a, a tight saturday schedule so we appreciate you all for joining us um if you want more we will be doing a full podcast on our Twitch and YouTube pages live at 8 p.m. on Monday night. Um, you can always subscribe to us on Twitch, YouTube, Locker Room, any podcast uh, app that, that you use. We're all there. But until next time, here's $10. Go see a Star Wars.